From Finance and Commerce, this is Beyond the Skyline, a podcast about economic development, commercial real estate, and construction in Minnesota. In each episode, you will meet business leaders, builders, entrepreneurs, and big thinkers. I'm David Bolander, editor of Finance and Commerce. Thanks so much for joining. Beyond the Skyline is sponsored by Ironmark Building Company. Whether it's a new luxury apartment building in the North Loop or expanding the community in the suburbs, Ironmark builds quality projects for discerning clients. Ironmark's foundation is built on a culture of collaboration with clients and projects that stand the test of time. Talk to Ironmark's award-winning team about your next construction project today. Go to ironmarkbuildingco.com. In this episode, Kit Bennett, Director of Development at Inland Development Partners, talks to FNC reporter J.D. Duggan. Bennett discusses the recent challenges in the industrial market and what he sees in its future. All right. Today we have Kit Bennett. He's the new Director of Development for Inland Development Partners. Uh, Kit has been doing development work around the Twin Cities for years, most recently working for the Opus Group and the Excelsior Group. Hey, Kit. Thanks for being here. Howdy. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. First, uh, Tell me a bit how you got into this new role. You've you've just been there for a couple months now, right? Uh, yep. It was, I think the day was September 26th, so a little over a month now, um, month and a half or so. Um, and kind of happened um, a little organically. Um, Tom Shaver, who's one of the uh, partners over here, um, had a relationship with him for um, through NIOP, actually, um, doing their mentorship program through their Developing Leaders uh, program. And so um, met with him, you know, five years ago or so. And actually, uh, Tom has a history of working at Opus a um, handful of years ago. And so um, when I moved from Excelsior Group to Opus, Tom kind of helped me um, kind of find that path and figure it out and um, make that decision to go uh, learn a ton there. Opus is a phenomenal company and um, kind of fully vertebrated system with architects and engineers, contractors, project managers, and the development team as well. Um, so that was a a really great experience, learned a ton, get to see a ton of projects, um, both organically and kind of inbound with the size of the platform they have. Um, and then most recently, um, a little bit before my start date, um, just with meeting with Tom, getting monthly coffees for the last four or five years or so through that mentorship relationship, we kind of kept that going. Um, and a lot of those mentor, mentor mentee relationships don't always last too long. So I was lucky to Get linked up with a guy like Tom and um, continue it for a while, and um, kind of floated the idea of joining the team over here. And um, initially, I wasn't wasn't thinking that would be the case. And kind of as we talked, um, decided to to make the move to a little bit of a smaller group. Um, so that's a bit how it happened, um, and kind of we'll see where it goes. So happy to be here and um, kind of see where it takes us. Yeah, awesome. That sounds great. Um... Can you tell me a bit about what your experience has been, um, you know, what your work was and what it, what it's going to be here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it'll be it'll be fairly similar in relation um, to my role at Opus and, and here, um, kind of digging up and leading uh, industrial development efforts, both speculative build a suit. Um, and then what's a little bit different here would be uh, acquisitions versus Opus, which is a true um, you know ground up developer. Um, and then I guess how that differs from, from previous roles where I was at Excelsior Group and before that Dominium, um, doing affordable housing at Dominium and a bit of market rate at Excelsior Group. So a um, bit of a pivot from, from asset classes and with affordable housing, you're 
you're dealing with tax credits and local and federal governments. Um, so a lot more cooks in the kitchen, um, you'd say. And so, but moving from here, um, similar to the role at Opus, um, but with the smaller group, um, kind of more on, on all of our shoulders to, to kind of be hungry and kind of keep finding deals, making relationships and um, kind of almost having that strategy kind of morph as the market moves on you as well. So um, industrial is the focus, I'd say. And then, you know, how, how we operate in that system um, will probably change, you know, year to year, you know, every, every so often um, to kind of respond to those market changes too. So. Sure. Sure. I want to ask you a bit about what you're seeing in industrial, but first, um, how did, how did you first get into this industry? Um, yeah, I was, um, I kind of randomly, I, um, was, I went to, that was going to the U of M graduated in 2014. Um, wasn't, didn't really have any idea what I was going to go try and do. Um, you know, there when there's job fairs and folks coming in, they're kind of, they're kind of all pushing, you know, Target and Best Buy and, um, kind of some of those big established, uh, Fortune 500 companies, companies that are in the Twin Cities. I wasn't, you know, sure if that was for me or, or kind of how I wanted to do it. And so, um, ended up connecting during my senior year of college with a few guys who were in the real estate industry, primarily brokers, um, who'd either lived by me who were within my age range, who'd you know, been working for a couple of years. And, um, throughout my senior year, that kind of spread out to getting, you know, a coffee or two a week over, um, the course of fall to spring semesters. Um, and liked what they had to say, loved the, just the, you know, real estate's tangible. You it's you have an idea and then you go, it either gets built or rehabbed or whatever it is and um kind of breathes new life into certain communities or just a, a building that's been kind of long and forgotten. Um maybe within St. Paul or Minneapolis. So um I always always like that piece of it. And so I uh, met with a ton of brokers. Um and then that kind of spurred into meeting uh general contractors as well as developers. Um and then got linked up with a developer at Dominium and uh, January of 2015, uh, joined their internship program they have, and then stayed there for, for three years, um, which was kind of oddly enough, um, a bit lucky to fall into, cause there's not too many places that hire, uh, development jobs right out of school. Um, so that was a really good place to, um, as the proverbial saying goes, drink through a fire hose and just kind of learn it all. Cause didn't study real estate in college, but, um, kind of felt like that was a bit of a, a post-grad school effort of just learning it all and um, getting to see a ton of deals. So um, kind of fell into it that way. And then it spread from there. Yeah. I hear that a lot. People just kind of end up in the industry almost uh, and they, yeah. find they like it. Uh, can I ask what you did study in college? Uh, yeah. Finance and marketing. Um, sure. So development was a bit of a combination of those two in a way. Um, right. You know, early on, like the analytical piece of it and kind of financial modeling and stuff like that, which gives you just a basis of how these projects work um, on the numbers side. What do you like about this work? Um, it's a good question. Um, big, one of the biggest things for me is just the, the people, honestly, in, in the industry and within the companies I've been at and both, um, you know, clients or, or folks that you just work with and meet. Um, it's uh, Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a small, um, you know, close knit community, and then real estate's almost an even smaller, more close knit community within that. Um, and so you're always kind of bumping elbows with everybody, and you meet a bunch of people, um, and everyone's just really nice, fun to work with. Um, and so that that's that's one main thing that I've always enjoyed from the get go. Um, and I'd say next is really just 
the variety of kind of day to day work and project to project. Every project's different. Um, even with industrial, they're um, you know they're all just loaves of bread um, sitting on a, on a site plan when you're looking at it that way. But there's unique challenges with the city and or utility connection zoning issues, whatever it is. Um, and so even even if the product might be similar a little bit from from one project to the next, the circumstances and um, problem solving from one to the other is quite different. So um, keeps you on your toes and you're constantly learning and um, that's always fun and does not get monotonous for sure. Definitely. I wanted to ask you a bit about that. So you've done that work with multifamily and affordable housing and things like that. How do you approach the job differently when it comes to industrial? Um, that's, that's a good question. You know, it's, um, it's interesting with industrial, especially when I'm comparing it against, um, affordable housing, you know, with affordable housing, that need is so great for, for that product type. Um, and you know, it's, it, it's hard to, hard to get done. Um, where, you know, if, if, if it was easy to do a lot more companies would be doing it. Um, but lining up all of these, you know, local and federal incentives is, um, it's it's taxing to to do that and set up your project for success and so you have to be really specialized in that um and so with you know when you're working on those types of projects it's um really knowing the details and kind of absolutely everything about how do you even get the project from a to b where then you look at industrial it takes um a lot of those complications i'd say with um kind of getting your capital stacked together um with the tax credits of the equity buyer um who's going to buy those credits um and that kind of takes that piece out of the picture and then Kind of especially with speculative development the issue is um understanding the market what what are tenants doing what you know what sub markets and areas have certain construction going on who's your competition and so a little bit more um tactical on the on the market analysis and research side of it and understanding that to make sure you're not putting yourself at too great an exposure of risk where um with the affordable housing if you if you could get it done you knew it was going to lease up because um because you know we're 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 far behind in in the needs for that, and so you're not you're not really um, looking at well, are we going to be able to lease it up? You're you're typically going to be able to do that, no problem. Um, we're respective industrial. It's it's a bit of the opposite. It's who are who are the users? What size they're building? Who is our competition? And um, that's a bit different. So it's it's fun to think about it in that way. Sure, uh, but we have been in kind of a, a peak time for uh, industrial, right? I mean, what do you see happen with that market right now? Um. Another great question. It's uh, it's at this juncture, it's um, it's really hard to say. Um, you know, six months, uh, eight months ago, um, was maybe the the end of kind of what what I call just that the most recent hot streak um, um, of industrial being kind of the darling of all of all real estate classes, where um, you saw interest rates going to the to almost to zero, um, and then cap rates on on the exits that we could underwrite to um, were starting to shrink. So I, when I started looking at industrial projects, the kind of yield that you know developers build to is the spread over kind of what your exit cap rate is going to be to make sure the project's financially viable. And you know that started when I looked at it that you know maybe you build it to about a seven um, cap rate exits in industrial were around a six. You know playing for a hundred maybe one hundred fifty basis point spread and that. Those cap rates went all the way from six to some trades in the high threes um, last year in 21. And um, kind of th then once this um, kind of inflationary and um, interest rate increases that we're seeing from the Fed, um, the reaction to that is immediately just uh, increasing cap rates and the buyers who are putting debt on these um, start getting a little bit um, 
backwards on their on their modeling when they're when their cap when their interest rates are going above their cap rates and they're getting what's called negative uh, negative leverage there. Um, and so, not to go too much in the weeds on that, but that sort of started shifting in the spring where. Um, a lot of these trades that were happening either were getting retraded to higher cap rates or some buyers were just fully exiting the market. Um, and kind of right now what we're seeing is the debt markets are frozen. Um, so even if you had a piece of, of land or an acquisition to close on um, today, you wouldn't be able to get the debt to finance it unless you're an all-cash buyer. Um, and so that coupled with uh, construction cost increases on inflation um, and the interest rates and kind of land is still at a premium, I'd say. Um, with uh, land sellers still, you know, looking back at, you know, 2020, 2021, you know, expecting those prices with shorter due diligence periods. Um, and that, that expectation should, and um, will need to, to change a bit where uh, projects are getting hard to pencil and um, kind of put a finer point on the end of that is just, there aren't really trades happening right now. So you're, it, it's hard to know what kind of spread or yield or exit to build to on these, um, on these projects. So a lot of folks are kind of wait and see until January one, when kind of that fiscal year ends and, and there's more capital that needs to go out just on a yearly basis. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens. But um, at this juncture, a lot of folks are kind of sitting and waiting to understand how things are going to unfold. So it's what we do know is that it's going to be different in two months. It's going to be different in a year. It's going to be different in two years. Um, and it's just kind of stay on top of that um, and, and watching it unfold and, um, you know, staying active, but, um, don't get underwater or anything too quick um, just since we don't know how it's going to play out yet. Yeah. I've been keeping an eye on reports and waiting for the kind of fork in the road. I've been feeling yeah. like that's been coming up and it's still what you're telling me is like, well, we're still kind of waiting to see. Yeah. Um, so you're saying it's, it's really cash buyers who are, is there a worry about um, kind of national investors that have all maybe a lot more cash on hand? Uh potentially having having large control of the market here in the in the future um that's a good question you know the um you know, there's kind of three or well, two and then now a third um kind of large con consolidation of of industrial square footage just owners uh, throughout the market and it's link capital partners and now Naveen has a, a decent share as well and so um with them unless you know their strategies change and they start selling um unlikely somebody is going to come in and, and take a, a big position, especially just with the volatility. And um, it's hard for folks, even a cash buyer to make sense. And um, when they're doing that, you know, they, they don't want to overpay on things because they got to, they got to be really precise in their underwriting. So um, I don't know if that's necessarily a worry, but, you know, consolidation of ownership with those three groups um, has certainly helped the market where, you know, all these things are working against us, but when those groups consolidate their, their portfolios, um, it's helped rental rates kind of increase to offset some of those challenges. It's not a perfect science, but um, when all those when all those things are working against you, you need something to to offset it if projects are going to be able to happen. Um, and so, you know, that consolidation of ownership, if anything, has has helped. Um, and the Twin Cities for has historically lagged behind other markets in that rent growth, and so we feel like we're now kind of catching up to rent growth that was maybe missed in previous years, just from how the ownership is spread throughout um, the industrial. Um, kind of pipeline here. Yeah. Uh, and I can't, that consolidation of ownership isn't necessarily unique to industrial either. Yep. Um, right. So, you know, without giving away any trade secrets or whatever, um, where, do, where does that kind of leave you guys? What are you, how are you guys looking toward the future right now? Yeah. Um, you know, right now we're um, 
you know, we're cautiously optimistic, I'd say, about the market and where it's going. Um, and and really, it's it's just being a bit more tactical. Where you know, a year ago, maybe you'd buy. Um, the math was it, you know not easy to make to make sense of, but the the tenant demand it's still there and it's been really strong for the last um, you know twelve quarters or so. Um, and it's still you know pre COVID the the amount of active users out there was um, maybe seven eight nine million. Um, kind of a year ago it was upwards of fourteen or fifteen, and now it's closer to eleven or twelve million, which is still um, you know three million or so higher than um, pre COVID levels. Um, and so with the kind of constriction of of supply and some of these um, sites there on pause, whether that's um, you know equity partners backing out or you know, unable to get debt or a land seller that's impatient and um, isn't going to give you an extension on time, um, the kind of forecasted supply um, is going to just be going down, and we don't really know what, to what magnitude yet. Um, and so with that, that's that's only going to one should you know positively impact. Uh, you know the the rates that that groups are quoting both on um, renewals and new construction, um, and then you know just a little bit less on the competition side. So um, it doesn't mean you know go snatch everything up that you can, but um, you know trying to find land positions for when the market you know settles a bit and maybe spec works um, once the dust settles, or maybe then if you can tie up some land, um, you know build the suit uh, where it's the, kind of the opposite of speculative, where you have a Either a land identified, or you have a client you're working with, and going to find land for them. Um, that might that'll likely you know pop up a bit more, and so it's kind of just um, finding ways to be strategic and active um, while there's this kind of waiting period, um, as opposed to hitting the brakes and um, you know waiting to see, but also still trying to make some things happen while while you're waiting. Um, otherwise, it's you'll be too late by the time things change. Sure. Um... Are there any submarkets you're most optimistic about right now? Um, yeah, I mean, typically, um, especially recently, you know, the the Northwest and the Southwest have always performed the strongest um, and have done really well. You know, the Northwest there's there's more land um, in the in this third quarter, so the the highest absorption Quincy has ever seen occurred this last quarter, um, Q3 of 22. Um, and the Northwest is interesting because uh, I believe it's about you know thirty-eight to forty percent of all activity in the third quarter um, occurred in the Northwest submarket, and that market has twenty to twenty-two percent of all the inventory um, of industrial classes. So, um, just seeing the amount of of requirements and users that are looking in that area um, is certainly optimistic. Now, there's a lot of projects going on. There's a million square feet going up there with the Cubes project. Um, and so there's land there and people are active, um, but the demand is there. And so that's that's certainly optimistic. And then um, the Southwest has always been strong as well. It's just, it's pretty built out. Um, so you gotta kind of go to, to farther reaches of whether it's Shakopee, Prior Lake, you know, Chaska, certain areas that um, have a little bit of land that you can do. And so that one is um, tougher to find land sites, but um, feel pretty good, good about that market as well. Yeah. Cool, kid. I don't think I have any other questions. Is there anything you want to add that I didn't ask about? Um, I don't think so. Um, but I really appreciate the time and having me on. It's been uh, good to chat with you. Um, yeah. and I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you so much, and congrats on the uh, the new job. Appreciate it. Thanks, JD. Uh, thanks.